minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. What's up, everyone? This is Cryptography, and you're listening to Art on the Blockchain. This is Jimmy Song. You're listening to Art on the Blockchain. Hey everybody, this is Tatiana Moroz and I'm coming to you from Art on the Blockchain, the place for creatives to come and hang in the crypto space. Yo, this is Joe Looney, tuned in to the Crypto Creative Podcast, Art on the Blockchain, with hosts Cynthia Gaten and Jay Skrilla. This, 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 this is Thea Goodman. You are now listening to Art on the Blockchain Podcast, Crypto Creative Style, with your two hosts, Cynthia Gaten and Jay Skrilla. Get mean with it. With it. With it. Welcome, this is Art on the Blockchain. I am Cynthia Gaten and I have with me... DJ Jay Skrilla. Okay, we got a horns. Oh uh, yeah! We have a pretty exciting show for you today. We have an uh, interview with two you know, very well-known folks in the crypto community. We have Brian Hoffman of... Open Bazaar. And we have... Dan Anderson. The drop lister of Bitcoins. Bitcoins, which is a pretty exciting uh, new game on Counterparty. And we're going to uh, have, you know, ask them about their new, some new developments that they've been pr- pretty excited about. Um, with Bitcoins, they just had their first harvest, so we'll get to talk a little bit about that. Um, so this is a pretty, pretty good show. So this is episode 13. 13. Yeah. Lucky number 13. That's right. We're blowing the horn on the crypto art. We got uh we got Atlanta, we got um coming up this weekend, Sunday, April right. 8th in Atlanta. We got the intro to crypto art and crypto music. So if you're in Atlanta or in the surrounding area, go check that out. You can look on Eventbrite. Um the link will be in the bottom of this podcast. Learn about how you can Great art and music and earn crypto. You don't have to invest in it. Um, and there's other ways, other things we talked about that, but that's a simple, simplified way to hopefully get your attention. This Atlanta event has already gone on, so there will be no link actually. But look forward to April 21st in Washington D.C. at GW University. We'll have a link in the bottom of this podcast. Um, also, in April 21st at GW University in D.C., we have part two of that. And then we'll be in May 10th at Creative Tech Week. Um, Cynthia and myself will be doing some panel discussion. And uh, you can even catch uh, the legendary DJ Pepe performing at that event. Yep. So, yeah, uh, there's a lot of exciting stuff going on. But uh, let's get into the blockchain our top five and you'll hear some repetition but the first thing i wanted to draw to your attention is a curated crypto art resources um, available by obzinium obzium he has a github uh, location for his curated crypto art resources i recommend that you check it out it's kind of it's it's very interesting and it's nice that there's a uh a curated resource format for people to check out. The next thing is there's going to be an Ethereum development conference, a DAP Pitch Fest, 
where they're looking at demos and business models for you to you know, have an opportunity to, to pitch your new ideas. Uh, conference speakers include Vitalik, Joseph Lubin, Gavin Wood, Mihai Elizi. It's going to be May 3rd to the 5th in Toronto. We have a website for that or a link to that. We had our first Bitcoin auction on April 1st. So we have the auction is on YouTube, so we're going to have a link to that also. Number four, the introduction to crypto art, crypto music in Atlanta on April 8th, as Grill already mentioned. Part two of that um, in D.C. April 21st from 12 to 5. We'll have links to all these events. And number five, the Crypto Tech Week, the Crypto Creative Symposium on May 10th. This is going to be 10 days of um, crypto. Crypto tech, so there'll be all kinds of things. If you don't, if you're not particularly uh, yeah. interested in the crypto art aspect of it, which, of course, you know, makes you not cool, um, there are there are other things to attend. So AOTV is going to be represented on three panels, and we have a link to the Eventbrite um, information on the bottom of this SoundCloud. And they put me on my panel as. Ladies and gentlemen. Uh, DJ Pepe J. Skrilla Ventura. They used every single one of my aliases and just put it in one line so they couldn't get it wrong. And you're on you're on the panel with DJ Shadow? DJ Spooky. Spooky. Yeah, and actually me and Spooky talked a few days ago. We're working on an uh, exclusive blockchain release track for that event. That's going to so be really awesome. Stand by. Uh, so this is going to be a really... In, on the 10th, it goes from um, 2 in the afternoon to 11.30. Yeah. So it's a full day. Yeah, and okay. I know your talk is at like two or three o'clock. Yeah, three o'clock, I think, or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, I think I'm, mine is around seven thirty or eight, and then DJ Pepe Whoa. goes live after nine o'clock. <laughs> Shout out to Isabel for the event. Oh yeah, it was really. It took some time to put it together, but this has been going on. At least we've been talking about this since January, at least, right? Yeah. So. This will be a culmination, I guess, in some respects, part three of the Rare Digital Art Festival in a yeah. way. Yeah, and I'm talking to people right now in L.A. and Sacramento, so if you're out there, we're working on getting the next ones out there. Oops. Crypto Intro to crypto art and crypto music. We're coming to your fucking city. Yeah, <laughs> Get ready. Yeah, so this is going to be an exciting time for uh, people in the industry. Um, the crypto art thing, regardless of what's going on with the currency, everybody's paying attention to this. There's a, so much more going on now than there ever has been. Yeah. So, you know, there will be things to do, people to meet, opportunities to take advantage of. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, uh, the crypto art, artists in general and musicians in general have a super advantage where they can invest their art and music. Oh, yeah! And even if you're on every other platform, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever, Bandcamp, you can just take that and you can put it in on other platforms, that music, and earn crypto. Oh, yeah. um, you know, if you're an artist, you can do the same thing. You can sell your prints for USD. You can sell you know, some of those prints for for crypto or you can make exclusive ones for that you can make rare digital releases you can use the blockchain as art you can do all this stuff that these bro vesters can't do like these people are just coming to the market speculating getting crying and getting shaken out because they think that that's what it is but the people using the tech and the people that we're talking to people we're trying to you know help influence and them influence us these are the people we're trying to uh, you know 
get get involved in this and like the artists and musicians have a supreme advantage in that they can use their skills, skills, skills and of course skills. the developers and all that stuff but we're not talking to me and Cynthia aren't devs so we're talking to users people that can use user based platforms people that can get involved in different communities and you know we're very simply make, make art, art and music art and, and sell, sell it, it for crypto there's a lot of other different variables that you can go into on, on this but at the very least uh, people with no 401k people with no investments I mean why not have a, a few pieces of Bitcoin or Ethereum or Litecoin or something in your portfolio by selling your art and music it, and to this, me it's a no brainer yeah and then this area is not slowing down that's one yeah. thing that is definitely true is uh, when you look out into this space people are still trying to get involved the artists are still trying to get involved we haven't had uh, any slowdown and certainly in our schedule on, on this on this subject so um, I'm actually pretty excited about this time period where people are paying attention to what can be done the practical aspects of this and uh, trying to make a, a living with different different resources different opportunities so I'm kind of I'm actually enjoying it's exciting this time times yeah so put on your hair gel and get ready for Brian Hoffman. <laughs> all right, all right, um, all right. We're so we're gonna start over. All right, so we're here with Brian Hoffman of Open Bazaar, um, also oh a uh, amateur lip syncer, um, parody video maker, and many other things. Uh, we're gonna talk about um, how Open Bazaar can uh, help our crypto creative community and more. Uh, welcome, Brian. Hey, thanks. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Okay, great to see people in the house. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> I've been chasing each other for a while now, but I'm glad to be able to get on the podcast. Definitely glad to have you here. A fellow uh, Northern Virginian. Yep. So you got to uh, salute that. <laughs> That's right. How no long have you been here? Uh, since I was like 10. Oh, wow. So you're definitely a lifer. That's right. And you went to James Madison University too, right? That's right. Yep. Very good. Keeping Hyper it all local. up in uh, the... <laughs> So, um, I guess uh, let's start off by saying what is Open Bazaar? Yeah, so Open Bazaar is essentially a, a peer-to-peer desktop application at the moment. And it, uh, it's, I guess you can think of it as a sort of a marketplace similar to like eBay or Amazon. And it uses... Uh, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies as the payment methodology instead of uh, uh, credit cards or cash or whatever and it allows uh, for people to not have to pay any fees because there's no middleman. It's completely peer-to-peer and private. So that's the immediate advantage is the you don't have to use a credit card because of transaction costs and so you're are you better off as a merchant using your platform? Well, I think generally Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies are like very advantageous for merchants and, and content creators because, um, you know, they don't have to deal with those headaches and, and fees. Uh, usually that, you know, it's kind of pushed on to merchants rather than the buyers because they're trying to entice buyers to the platform. But, um, you know, so, you know, in this case, I think um, there are a lot of advantages for merchants, like, you know, obviously no chargebacks 
like you get on credit cards. Um, you know, it can be a lot more private uh, because, you know, if you sell on eBay, your customers are kind of like eBay's customers. They have information about your business and who you're dealing with and things like that. So it's a lot more private. Um, and also we have, you know, like one other interesting aspect, which is that um, the dispute resolution within our platform. So like if you have problems, like buyers have problems or merchants have problems, you don't have to deal with just like one company that may not be like super helpful or responsive. Um, or maybe they just lean really hard towards helping the buyers over the merchants, like eBay does. Um, you actually, you like anybody on the platform can actually become a dispute resolution person and earn money doing so and gain a reputation. And so you can find trustworthy people anywhere in the world that are willing to help you kind of work through problems or whatever, do refunds, things like that. They're like arbitrators or something? Yeah, exactly. And so that's kind of like a, a pretty unique, I think, piece of what we're doing that not a lot of other platforms do. There are, you know, other crypto platforms that let you uh, do things like that, but they usually, it's like usually the centralized service actually provides the dispute resolution. So um, it, it's, it's pretty different. So do do you get to get to take advantage of that possibility upon agreeing to buy or sell? I mean, when you when you start using the platform, does it say, "Oh, by the way, one of the benefits is we have a dispute resolution feature"? Yeah. So, like, as a merchant, when you when you when you open up your storefront, you know, you can you get to select like some moderators or you know we call them moderators. Uh, that you trust and you can kind of attach them to your store so that people know like when they look at your products and stuff, they'll see that like your moderators are trusted moderators or, or that they have good reputation or whatever. And uh, so it, it kind of increases the trust level that buyers have with you. I mean, in, in these platforms, a lot of, you know, like there's, you can be, you can be like super well known or you can, you know, publicly or you can have a good profile and other platforms and stuff and like present that to your buyers or you can be completely anonymous and so the buyer doesn't really know uh, if they're dealing with somebody trustworthy but if they have trusted dispute resolution people they know that you know they can they can actually do business with this person without having to know everything about them necessarily well that's actually the whole it was supposed to be one of the great features about arbitration was that you could get experts to resolve the dispute and it's not always the lawyer, right? So it's not always a judge. Sometimes it's somebody who's an expert in the in the industry that's a better judge of what would, what are the reasonable expectations of what each person is offering and that sort of thing. So that's kind of cool. That's a that's kind of a nice thing that if you can pick an expert in that industry, especially if you have a kind of an esoteric um, product that yeah, only a I, handful you know, I mean, of people know about. Certainly seen this yet on Open Bazaar because it's still kind of small right. and early. But you know, as the platform scales up, you know, we're hoping that we'll see like people maybe that are like art aficionados or they're like car custom, you know, car collectors. And they understand like what they're looking for, and that those kinds of people will be able to be brought into transactions, and they'll be able to have a market around the fees that they take for participating. So, you know, you may only charge like a dollar to help somebody with some Pez dispensers they're buying, but like if they're really trying to figure out if this is a real Monet, you know, like then 
you know, you have like someone that gets a little bit more, uh, you know, expensive for their for their fee and for their services. Mm-hmm. And even now, you can specify within your uh, profile if you're a moderator what kinds of services you provide, what kind of expertise you have. And so we do have some people that are like actually lawyers and do dispute resolutions and arbitration legally mm-hmm. on the platform that that are like going above and beyond just kind of saying I'll help. Yeah. That's a that's kind of a nice opportunity if you're trying to develop a reputation. Have, have you seen any uh, disputes happen that weren't resolved well on the platform? Um, you know, I mean, we don't really have like insight into every little transaction, but like yeah. from you know what we what we see uh, like from people complaining or like talking about what their experience has been. Um, generally, the the issues that come up are are more like. Uh, communications issues uh, people like because the platform is so uh, decentralized you know you don't know if this person's around the world or like what their schedules are looking like mm. and they're not like professional necessarily so you know getting in touch with people and coordinating them and stuff through, through the platform is a little difficult at times and, and and also sometimes there's just bugs with the software you know like it's not a foolproof system yet um, and, and sometimes transactions are late because of blockchain, you know, traffic or whatever. It's just like a, so many different little variables that can happen. But generally, we don't see like, you know, an argument over a product being not what they said or whatever. Um, it's, it's usually like trying to figure out how this new paradigm kind of works. Are these people that are selling the merchants, are they on Amazon and um, eBay as well? Or do you find that they're, they're more... This is their new thing, and they're doing it because of crypto, and are they or are they doing everything? Um, it, it's almost always somebody who has like some other kind of sales presence. Um, you know, I mean, there's obviously people that just slap stuff up there to kind of test it out and see how it works. Yeah. They're curious, but most of them are like, you know, I'm selling hot sauces on eBay, so I'll throw two or three of mine up here and see if they sell for Bitcoin. You know, that kind of scenario. Okay. When, when when Open Bazaar first launched, I downloaded the um, software and and I ran it and I started a record store called Record Bazaar. But then <laughs> something happened with my computer. I think the hard drive crashed and I never got back up. Is my is my Record Bazaar still up there? Could I find it? Um, the way, when you put content on the network, like it only stays for about seven days and and then it kind of falls out of the network unless you you go back online. So I'm okay. guessing since you don't have access to it. And it's, it's been long gone, but, um, you know, but that's, that's also, you know, that's one of the limitations of the, of the platform as well. Cause like you don't have central servers like eBay where that data just stays forever. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, it requires everybody to share the posting of all this data across the network. And so, you know, seven days right now is kind of the cap. You got to at least show back up and say, I'm still here, okay. you know, keep holding my data for me. So, okay. So to be a merchant on there, Basically, you have to always you have to be you have to be present at least every seven days. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. What um what kind of art or uh, music pieces are are uh, selling on there? Um, I mean, we've seen like we've seen lots of there's like lots of arts and crafts. Um, there's been paintings. I know that like um, there's been different art like just literally just traditional art vendors. Um, we've seen sculptors. We've seen uh, leather goods. Um, there's people making like custom coins, jewelry. Uh, we had 
uh, this we have this girl. She like sells like custom clothing. Um, there's like a huge variety of different things. Um, we've we've seen even people come on a platform and say they'll make art for you as a service rather mm-hmm. than just a straight up product. They'll like you know you can they'll record songs for you or like you know different different kinds of stuff. So it's all it's like a wide variety of things. It's, it's super eclectic. It's not like there's just like thousands of this one type of um, yeah. kind of merchant, which is kind of interesting. But uh, it's, yeah, I mean it's it's a little weird at times. Well, it fits into the bizarre element. You know, <laughs> it can't be a bizarre if everything is identical, right? You have to have some variety. Yeah, exactly. Do, can you all get analytics of like where the people are um, selling from or buying from? Is there any of that stuff? Um, well, I mean, so the only data that we really have is like based off of store profiles and listings, and so. Mm. We, we we have information around like how many listings, what type of listings, uh, prices that they're offering it for, like countries that they ship to or ship from, um, and so we have some of that data. Uh, Who do you see being the most active in terms of like countries or regions? I mean, by far it's like it's America and probably like Europe, but like we actually have a pretty growing community in like India. Um, it's starting to become a little more popular there, um, but you know, like definitely, it's it's probably like England, America, Canada, and uh, and like Germany and France. Those are like the main places where things are really happening. So, do you have it available in different languages? Yeah, um, we have. I think something like twenty different languages. The way wow. that it works is like we have. Um, we ha- we use a service called TransFX, and anybody who like knows the language can go in there and help us translate the languages. They can actually win a T-shirt and stuff for helping it contribute to it. But once once the the translations get to about, I think it's like ninety percent, then we will merge it into the code and and it will become an official officially uh, uh, supported language. Wow. And I think we have close to twenty of those uh, right at the moment. Oh my god. What um what cryptocurrencies can I buy and accept at uh, Open Bazaar? Um, right now, you can set up a store and accept uh, Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, or Zcash. Um, and we have uh, a group that are working on Litecoin, so we're hoping to have that uh, soon as well. Cool. And um, so, like Ethereum and uh, some of the other ones, they're not they're not. Uh, are you guys planning on doing that? Um, we'd like to. We're working on something we call like a multi-wallet, which is, you know, a wallet that can support different types of coins in the same wallet. Um, Ethereum is like super different compared to most of the Bitcoin derivatives. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we haven't really gone down that road yet, um, but we're hoping to. Um, we're looking at a couple of different options on how we'll do that. But in... And, you know, over the course of like the next year, we're going to be um, releasing mobile versions of Open Bazaar, and we're also going to be pushing towards a web version so that you can do everything through the browser rather than have to download an app. And That's cool. in order to do so, we're going to need this wallet that can support all those things. We also have, um, just like everybody else on the planet, we're we're looking to release an Open Bazaar token. <laughs> and that would be based off of Ethereum, and we want to be able to use that within the platform. So we obviously need an Ethereum wallet 
Um, and so, yeah, it's definitely coming, but it's probably not like super close. So, so the all right. So you're making an open bazaar token, and is that going to be an ICO? Uh, we're kind of deciding how we're going to do it right now. Yeah. Um, most likely, there will be like a sale, but there will also be an airdrop component to it because we want to be able to reward like early adopters and and participants on the network and stuff like that. So we're going to release some more information soon. We're trying to like work through like the legalities and, and how we want to do that. Um, we're also going to be releasing an updated OpenBazaar roadmap uh, probably tomorrow. I think the plan is to get it out tomorrow. And Pretty here first. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, does that does that worry you, the ICO and STC stuff going on right now? I mean, obviously you all have lawyers. You have you had nice rounds of VC funding and such, I'm, I'm sure. You guys are aware yeah, of Yeah, I mean, I, I think it'd be stupid not to be worried about it. Um, you know, the SEC is obviously looking to amp up their scrutiny on all these things. Mm-hmm. And I could just totally see them seeing a censorship-resistant marketplaces like a, you know, a soft target to really make a point about. And so we're really, really serious about doing it right and legally and, and staying on the right side of that. But, you know, I mean, ultimately... You know, we're looking to try and get away from, you know, Open Bazaar as being a product that's completely controlled by one company like Obi Wan, which is kind of like this perception. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really a community project. We want to move towards a model where, you know, there's bunches of people contributing. They're getting rewarded through this, you know, this token or whatever, and and participating that way. Mm-hmm. So it's it's more kind of. Uh, Decentralized. So Obi One releases the code into the world, and then your people around the world will be rewarded with the tokens for helping keep it up and maintain it and advance it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're gonna we're we're, we're actually exploring uh, creating a nonprofit organization um, that will kind of be this. Uh, you know, it won't just be, it won't be like Obi-Wan people. It will be like a, a mix of different people and a, and a strong board that will kind of help facilitate things like grants to people that want to build on top of Open Bazaar, or people that have new ideas, you know, or security audits, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it's not just, you know, primarily driven by Obi-Wan. And I think that will lead hopefully to a much more like healthy uh, community. You know, it's like, Worldwide and not just you know so centered on a VC backed firm. Are you? Are do you have plans of staying in the states? Are you planning on moving elsewhere? Is is there an advantage for? I mean, obviously you have you have an advantage of having a business that's already started, so you're not raising money to create a business. You already have one. Um, but are there discussions within uh, your team to? move or are you going to stay in the states i mean we don't really have we don't have plans to move at this time um you know i mean there's nothing to indicate to us that there's any massive advantages to to moving away i think i mean generally i think there are some advantages if you want to take a risk you know because of the less regulatory stringency i think going other places Mm -hmm. for us we are very interested in staying above board on all that, and right. so I think it will remain here. I mean, I don't, I don't see us moving. It hasn't been discussed that much. I had a question about the sophistication of your 
of your users. Uh, that's one thing that I get asked about a lot is when we talk about different platforms to artists. Um, like, there's so many steps. There's so many things I have to have to do. How sophisticated do the users of your platform need to to be? Do you tend to have folks who are already pretty well versed in uh, the technology using it, or can you be a newbie and uh, navigate your way through it and and not get frustrated? I so we have quite a spectrum of of users. Um, we have some that are like super advanced and want to do all these crazy things or or even people that are experienced e-commerce uh, merchants that that wish the platform had all, all you know a whole bunch more different features and more advanced functionality uh, and then we have like really really uh, new new beginners to the whole thing to Bitcoin and to the platform that just kind of stumble across it um, when when everything goes well uh, with the software it's like it's pretty straightforward it's pretty simple like if you've ever used it like you can get a store up and running accepting one of those crypto coins like in like five minutes it's really not hard at all um where it starts to break down is like if you have any problems um sometimes people have difficulties installing it on whatever funky computer they have or they have bad internet and you know because it's peer-to-peer it's you know it's not like visiting a website you actually have to have a pretty good internet connection, things like that. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things that can go wrong, but generally the, the app has been built to support, you know, anybody using it. As long as you understand kind of how to send a Bitcoin, you know, like the concept of like sending coins rather than using credit card, that's pretty much the biggest hurdle you got to get over. It, it really acts like um, and looks pretty similar to like a normal e-commerce experience. And that, that was on purpose. Do you, do you have a simplified like tutorial video if somebody wanted to watch how to um, become a merchant on there? Um, I don't know if we have one just like how to become a merchant. Um, you can go to openbazaar.com and we have some videos up there. And we're actually we actually have a YouTube channel as well where um, one of my co-founder Sam Patterson has has created some videos on how to do things. And we're going to be putting out more of that content. I think people do do want that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think overall we're trying to do a better job of, like, documenting things so that people have tutorials and readme's and things like that. And so we'll be re- releasing more this year. But there, but there are a bunch out there on YouTube and on, on the site. Yeah, I, I kind of asked that because yesterday I, I put up I – got, I got a new website and I was putting – I put up a bunch of rare Pepe's that I made on the website and how – you know, you know, they're up there and yeah. – a lot of the people that I know aren't into crypto, um, and so I was, you know, I have them listed on there. You can look at them on the Block Explorer and all that stuff. But it's you don't if you don't know how to buy a rare Pepe, they're just up there, and you probably look scratch your head at it. So I put together <laughs> a how to buy a rare Pepe video, and it took um, after editing it was became a, it was a half hour video because of all the steps you have to go to to get a fucking rare Pepe, and I'm like. That just made me realize, like, damn, like, you better really want this rare Pepe if, you, if you're a newbie trying to get it. You should have, like, yeah. a, a reward that for every 10 minutes that they watch. Yeah. <laughs> like, you got to go and get this shit from an exchange. You got to wait for six confirmations that take about 10 minutes each. And you got all this stuff. I'm like, oh, man, we got to make this crypto shit easier. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, that when we spent a 
crazy amount of time thinking through like how people are going to use the app what are they going to think when they see something you know how many confirmations i mean just something simple like um what kind of fee do you ask your users to put on a payment in order to have it happen because you know we get somebody who's new they like buy something and the merchant doesn't see nothing until two confirmations maybe the fee is too low they don't understand that yeah so um and then how do you kind of like how do you abstract that away from users like how do you make them not have to worry about that yeah it's just really really hard i mean we're just kind of early days so you know some stuff can kind of be hidden and some some can't it's just the way it is right now oh well in terms of like tools because it's now tax season and every other post i see about the cryptocurrency is you know how you were going to record your transactions um so for a merchant for, for using your platform is it fairly easy to track sales do they get like a statement yeah i know what you're saying like um we have the ability to like export your transactions out into like an excel spreadsheet um and that's about the best we do i mean we've had lots of requests from people to add in like VAT tax management and all these different things and and that that's a tough one i mean because you know it's those, a lot of those things are so local and specific you know if we spent all our time building like country specific things or whatever like we wouldn't get to do much but um, we do understand that merchants need that kind of thing so um, you know it's kind of a juggling act so so that just means you still have to pay it even if the platform doesn't provide it to you basically you have to you have to record your sales in on your own yeah right. yeah i mean just keep track i mean we're hoping that like people will come along at some point when it gets to be a, vi- a really viable business that you know they're doing a good amount of volume that's not able to be done by hand you know that yeah. they'll help us and contribute and you know we'll expand that but we haven't had a ton of people ask for it, only like a handful here and there and i think it's just because you know they're kind of comparing it to maybe what they're already using and they, they'd like to see the parity between the two things because they don't want to waste their time on a platform that's like too basic. You know, they can't do all those things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, you, do you guys, um, like, I know, you, like, it's a decentralized platform, but, like, how would do you guys keep off, like, bad things off of the the uh, exchange, like, like drugs or weapons and stuff like that? Like, is that curated somehow? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's one of the biggest challenges of these platforms, right? Because... You know, it's not like we just go into our database and like, boop, 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 delete a couple of bad entries and like, you know, they're gone. Right. You know, it's more like BitTorrent. You know, if I slap up something horrible on there, like, who's going to stop me? Well, they have to come to my house and stop me. And, and it's similar to that for Open Bazaar. Like, we can't remove things completely from the network now. Um, like, we can, like, what we do is we have search engines, which are, are centralized. So, like, um, anybody can set up a search engine and create an index and if they conform to like our rules that we publish then we can add them to the to the application and you can choose them so like right now we have two search engines you can choose from like an ob1 and then um a bizarre dog and they have different like content because they have different rules for like what they remove and what they keep right and so ob1 like we're like super conservative about it 
and we allow people to like report things that are illegal and, and, and or just like garbage listings or whatever. And so we like prune our search engine pretty dramatically, and we have like keywords that flag things automatically and stuff like that. Um, so generally, that stuff doesn't really show up if you're going through there, but it's still accessible. It's kind of like the web in general. Like, you, like you might not find it on Google, but yeah. that doesn't mean the site doesn't exist. Right. So there's. Like I guess you know maybe it's a harder question, but what um what is the law? Has the law come talk to you about any of this? Like are they worried? Because I know like you guys started in 2014, right around the time uh, Silk Road was coming down, and it, that kind of thing just seems like the USA doesn't want any parts of it. Like has that ever been an issue with you all? I mean, I have been uh, I've had a conversation with someone from the FBI once before um, pretty much information gathering type of thing yeah um, you know ask a lot of questions around like you know, just like what we discussed like what can we do what can't we do what kind of data are we collecting about users things like that which we're pretty transparent about like um, we don't really have a lot yeah uh, what we do have is publicly available like everybody else has access to it too like listing data things like that um you know, and beyond that, it's really just—it's uh, just attempting to try and keep uh, to give our users like the ability to filter and remove and flag things. And um, you know, if these users use Tor or whatever, then you know maybe there's not really much they can do about it. But like, you know, our our number one thing is to protect users from uh, from things that they don't want to be exposed to, and 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 also things like fraud. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and doing that and and so you know the conversations usually end in like oh that that's crazy that we can't do anything about it but you know we do seem to demonstrate that we're like trying our best to do whatever we can about it and so I think there's a balance between like you know do we stop stop these technologies that like have this kind of wild west, wild west component to them that are actually trying really hard to give users control mm-hmm. or do we just, you know, kind of let it, let it roll a little bit and see where this innovation is going. And so far, you know, we haven't really had any problems. They, they haven't given us an issue. I mean, they've asked us <laughs> where they can send a subpoena if that happens, but you know, ultimately I think this kind of stuff doesn't really cause a problem for them until it like shows up on their radar one day for case, you know, high visibility or something. I'm sure, you know, yeah. it's like, Anytime something really dramatic happens in Bitcoin, like it's blown up like huge, and you know all these kinds of apps and services have the potential for something like that to happen because they're just so you know they're supporting the anonymity or like you know money laundering or whatever indirectly. So, well, the thing is, people tend to forget you know where eBay and Amazon and all those guys started because eBay was notorious for uh, trademark infringement and brand problems, branding problems. Mm-hmm. And, yep. you know, people felt a lot of pain because they were paying $50 for, you know, $1,500 Gucci bag thinking that they were getting a deal thinking it's Gucci, but it's not. But it, it, there were a lot of growing pains for these for these companies to be able to filter or identify, you know, fake goods, which is, seems to be the biggest, one of the bigger things on any kind of uh, marketplace. So, and, you know, both... These huge companies work through it, and you know everybody's for the better off for it because now there are some standards in place. So you know, hopefully that's the same kind of experience you're going to have is the same 
or they're going to afford you the same um, opportunity to grow like these other organizations that had to work through those issues also. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's definitely a much different challenge, especially because, you know, it's like we're not like necessarily, a, I mean, it can come to Obi-Wan, but you know, the, the whole community writes the software and stuff, you know, like Obi-Wan could say, oh, we're not going to write software that supports this stuff, but like if somebody else contributes it and or they fork it and go oh. start their own product based off of it, you know, which, I mean, all that stuff can't really be stopped. Tom and so. right. Jerry in the blockchain. <laughs> Exactly. So. <laughs> there's there's a tutorial. <laughs> so so anybody listening to this that wants to sell their music and art on Open Bazaar, um, they would go to openbazaar dot com or dot org. Either one org. goes, but dot com is easier to remember. Okay, so um, you know, for our audience, you know, a lot of y'all are looking to. Um, you know, sell your stuff and earn cryptocurrency. This, you know, that's kind of one of the things we preach is that you can invest in cryptocurrencies with your art and music instead of pulling out your uh, your, your slave labor USDs. But um, yeah, I guess that's a, it. Seems like a good opportunity to earn some Bitcoin and some crypto. I imagine that the market's still a little bit underwhelming for most vendors. I think so. I think. Um, It'll grow, hopefully, and also the, um, you know, maybe these people, these merchants, these new merchants that are coming on, maybe they can also, you know, get their people to buy on there as well. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people underestimate the power of buying and selling on these marketplaces. I mean, we had a couple people, like, if we look back to, like, when we launched, if you... You know, if you sold a T-shirt for twenty bucks of Bitcoin, mm-hmm. it'd be like worth a lot of money today. And yeah. you know, some people have done it. And and also, like, you know, it is a it's a it's a it's a two way market, right? Like, we need lots of buyers and lots of merchants. So yeah. you know, we try to encourage people to tell others about the marketplace and get them on there and and try to come up with creative things to put on the marketplace for sale, not just like lame stuff that nobody really wants because. You know, buyers come in to the market and want to see cool stuff to, to use their coins on because they don't want to give up their Bitcoin or, or their Bitcoin cash like easily. Um, so I'll give know, up. I'll give I, up my Bitcoin cash. You're a smart fella. <laughs> yeah, it depends on which one you're, you, yeah. you like or don't like, but for sure. And um, you know, and then you know, also like the the work that we're doing with the token is going to be like another aspect of it where you know people are going to be able to. Uh, help fi- like others find really cool stuff. So like you know if if there's like lots of music for sale on the network and you like you know rap music or whatever hip hop and you can create a page sort of like a Pinterest page within, within Open Bazaar your own and you can put different products in there songs or whatever. It's like a curator. And, yeah, as a curator, and you can generate revenue. And we're hoping it, it's somewhat will expand to where you can almost get like affiliate revenue for that. Oh my and, god! And that will be really cool because then you know it will help other people find good stuff instead of just like seeing garbage. Yeah. Has anybody put a rare Pepe on Open Bazaar yet? I believe there have been a couple on there, but they kind of come and go. Like I don't know if people are just like joking about it, but yeah. I mean, we definitely have like other things like Crypto Kitties and, and other kinds of digital assets. Like they're definitely on there, and, and people have sold them. So wow. it's a pretty cool platform for that stuff. And you know we're gonna be expanding that as well. Like so, any kind of digital goods are gonna it's gonna get much better. 
selling those on. Uh, yeah, it's on, like on a lot. There's there's some sites out there. I, I recently bought a um, I bought a a gif a rare gif a one of one gif by this artist, and um, he told me that the platform I bought it on is gonna be is on is basically they're not doing any more development on it or anything. And so he has to move it to another platform, and I guess we'll move my GIF. And I'm trying to figure out a way that I can put my GIF in my house and uh, <laughs> display it on a on a um, board. Like you can get one of those pies and hook it up, and but it's only like a seven inch monitor. I'm trying, but then there's other things. There's I forget the brand right now. Mural. Yeah, Mural that has those like six hundred dollar ones. I think you can do it, but I think you probably have to customize it to fit. And I don't know how big you made it. So I'm kind of like, I feel like there's a market out there. And I know there's people trying, there's a lot of people launching stuff recently. Um, but I feel like there's a market out there to sell crypto art that people are actually making. and um, you, you know, like the gifts and the, um, the memes and all that stuff. Because it's just the way that you, you know, I got it in my phone right now. Like, I don't want to share it because it's a one of one. Right. But I want to have, have a way to share it. Without somebody being able to take it, it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's kind of like I, I don't want to be selfish with it, but I want to be like, I want to be like, but it's rare. I got this joint. It's like showing my Honus Wagner or something, like my baby, like, my Mickey Mantle uh, Fifty Two Tops or something. Like I'm, nobody can take that from me. So, but that's a whole new, uh, yeah, it's a whole new frontier there. I think a lot of people are excited about. Yeah, I think it's like really, it's really cool. I mean, I've been traveling all over, you know, doing different conferences and stuff and talking to people. And I always run into artists, come up with like crazy ideas and asking me if they can do this or that or support, we could support something. And I mean, it's just amazing the diversity of like the projects going on in the space. So it's, it's going to get cooler too before it gets uh, more boring. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, there could be, I'm just thinking about it, there could be like, a crypto Etsy thing where you put something out there it'd be really cool if I had a display for my GIF who can make it for me you know and just put that kind of stuff out there there's a wish list of de- yeah, development like, wish list we actually brainstormed through like a, an idea called request where like people could kind of put like a classified for something that they wanted and you could fulfill it we never really rolled it into the app yet, but I'm sh- I'm pretty sure we're going to revisit it at some point in the near future. I mean, we're kind of like shifting our focus to making, uh, you know, the web-based version of Open Bazaar, mm-hmm. um, and kind of like trying not to put too much more stuff into the desktop app because I really think like, you know, for merchants, I think they're much more willing to download an app and manage their storefront and do all that because it's kind of like a power user thing. But, like, buyers don't want to deal with all that, right? They just want to visit a website, purchase something, like, move on with their day. And so, you know, that's really where we're putting a lot of our effort, you know, going forward. And uh, and I think once that happens, you know, once we have that kind of figured out how we want to do that, a lot of these, like, cool features will kind of come quickly. Give me a bold prediction, Brian. How many users will you have in 2021? <laughs> um, 2021. Let's see. That's like three and a half, three years from yeah. now. So, um, God, I'm hoping there will be millions and millions and millions of crypto users. So, <laughs> I don't know. I'd I'd like to say we have like a, at least a million users. I mean that that's probably conservative if we're successful. But nice. I mean, 
you know, to have a million people using crypto on a peer-to-peer platform, that, that's pretty that's pretty big. Yeah. Do, 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 do you think there's going to be, like, some kind of uh, straw that breaks the camel's back type thing um, that would, you know, like, uh, what do they call it? A tipping Bitcoin? point? Yeah, or? like a tipping point for you guys, like that, that you know, this type of thing is sold here only here and people are interested in buying it like do you look at that or you are is there something that you expect or hope to see being sold there that would make that happen where it's just kind of user adoption floods like what do they call in bitcoin the um the app they call it something like a magic app or something that hasn't happened yet yeah i mean i think i think like i think it may happen like unexpectedly i mean my idea my thought is that like people will be using open bazaar and then like maybe an artist or like a company will decide to use it as like you know kind of like an experimental thing like i I could totally see like someone putting out like some exclusive shoe or something on there as like you know a flash sale and like a bunch of people flow the platform and next thing you know it's just like hot i mean that that, you you see that kind of happen i mean like if you remember that site dig back in the day like I think it was like Britney Spears photos or something showed up there one day and they woke up and like it was just like huge. Right. And I think Instagram had a moment like that too where it just kind of kickstarted it and it became just kind of a thing, you know, people knew about. And so it's going to take a moment like that to really kick it off. But crypto is still so hard to use. I just, I mean, CryptoKitties is probably the closest thing that's come to, to this like, you know, crazy like hype that people had to get on board. And, if you use it, it's still like it's still not easy. It's still not great, you know. So I think we got a ways to go before those kinds of moments happen for any of these projects. Well, I had uh, the question about any kind of. You mentioned earlier some developments that you're looking forward to, but is there something in particular developments you want to share with the listeners that is on the horizon that you're pretty excited about? Well, the biggest thing right now is that we're getting really close to like finishing up our Android and iOS apps, which is going to be really cool because it's it's something that I think most, I don't even know of another product really that, that's doing this. It runs like the whole software on the mobile device. Like there's no servers involved. So like your device is actually like a full open bazaar, you know, peer and it can talk to all the other, other nodes, even the desktop ones like directly. And so, um, you know, it, it runs completely on the phone, which is really, really cool because a lot of other apps and web apps rely on things like MetaMask and other other kind of inter, intermediate technology to kind of fake like decentralization. But this ultimately, like you can you can create a store and a wallet like on your device, and and it's all right there. And um, and I think that's going to be really huge. Um, it, it's a it's pretty, they're really cool apps, and uh, we're really excited to get those out soon. Let's switch t- switch gears real quick. What's up with the uh, parody videos, the lip syncing videos? How did you get started <laughs> in that? <laughs> I'm Peter Todd. I am a, what you call a Capricorn, and I'm excited to join up with Tinder. Tell us about your first experience with the women of Bitcoin. You know, I wish I actually remember that because I've got this email in my inbox from like, oh geez, must have been like late 2009 telling a girl I knew about how awesome this paper about Bitcoin was. 
and I have no memory of actually sending it. Needless to say, I've just made the mistake of spending a whole lot more time on calculus than, like, buying bitcoins. Big, biggest financial mistake of my life. Which turns out to be a really common reaction to women. Because it's just so simple. It's so close to things people are trying to do. You're just jamming it all in together, like a puzzle, and it makes it work. And I didn't think of it. No. I mean, if the prostitution industry becomes more centralized, the question is, does the Bitcoin protocol become more centralized? And I don't think those two necessarily have anything to do with each other. (laughs) (laughs) Those are Um, hilarious. I think subconsciously it came from like so many years of watching those uh, MXC videos where they like play the game show and they do the voices over like the Asian game show. Mm-hmm. It's just hilarious. I used to watch those in college, but you know, I sometimes I would just like flip. I put like these Bitcoin conferences or like talks and stuff on another computer monitor with no sound and just kind of watch them with the captions, and they just look ridiculous. And I found myself just like talking, talking to myself over them, <laughs> doing stupid stuff. And then I was like, "Man, it'd be funny if somebody put one out." I can't remember what the first one I did was, um, but and then people would just like kind of like them. And actually, the people that I actually made fun of would contact me and be like, "Oh, I really like this video." And I'm like, "Wow!" Even the people I'm like kind of making fun of like yeah. it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so, and it, I, it, the people like being teased because it shows that you you care if you if you tease somebody. You're not gonna tease tease somebody you're not thinking about. Yeah, and and they're not they're not typically too brutal or anything. Yeah. So you know, it's not like absolutely horrible. Not like ripping them apart, but right. um, but they don't take that much effort. And sometimes you know, like you go you build a business and a product and dealing with people and stuff, and you're just like, I gotta do something stupid for a minute. And uh, I don't know how the investors feel about it. They probably would like their money to go to better causes, but like, <laughs> maybe it's fun. It keeps your name in the mix, though, too, in in a different way, so they can they can be happy about that. Yeah. Are you- yeah, yeah, it's it's fun. I mean, I, I go to conferences like I'm saying, and, and people always come up and they're like, "Hey, you're the guy," and I'm like, "Yeah, I open bazaar," and they're like, "No, the parody video." What? <laughs> What kind of what kind of investors invested in Open Bazaar? Oh boy! Um, so we got we got Union Square Ventures uh, out of New York. You know, obviously they did Etsy and Cloudflare and all these other big companies. Twitter. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. um, we got Andreessen Horowitz out of Silicon Valley. I mean, they're like the biggest of the big. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Coinbase and everything, and uh, we also have. Uh, this, we just brought on uh, this group called Omer's Ventures. They're they're like Canada's largest pension fund. They're like super conservative, hmm. um, but they like invested in Shopify and some other things. Um, and and th- we're like their first crypto investment. Um, we have Blue Yard out of out of Berlin, and they're kind of like a small venture company, venture capital firm that um, they've invested in like IPFS Protocol Labs couple other projects like kind of just like really really cool decentralization projects and uh they're like a big supporter like i think they work with uh tour the tour group as well um oh we have bitmain which is like mm-hmm. the evil empire right yeah. Yeah. So they're evil empire whatever <laughs> but um jihan has always been like really nice to us and supportive and uh, he seems like a character to participate a little bit so 
uh, he's in as well. And then we have DCG, Digital Currency Group. Um, who am I missing? I think that's about it. Relationship. So, uh, do they keep any much hands off on you guys? Or, one, or and they, they have a really tight relationship with us. And they like, really hold pop back off and they know it's going to take time? Or they're like, yo, we need um, to Sometimes it's great, sometimes it's not some, great, but you know, it's, it's tough because I don't goals. think there's very many some products to pay any for. that are like <laughs> really, you know, that are truly decentralized that are making any money or, or doing anything crazy, right? They, they're, they're mostly just raising a token mm-hmm. or, or whatever. So um, I, I don't think they necessarily exactly understand what they're expecting from these companies. And so it's, it's more of like they want to see traction, they want to see growth, they want to see users, they want to see like all these things, they want to see the community being really positive about it things like that so it's a back and forth but um yeah i mean they don't they don't really tell us day to day like what to do you know it's more of like are you guys thinking about this are you thinking about that Mm -hmm. oh have you heard about these guys you should talk with them stuff like that it's it's not really like you need to stop working on that and do this other thing do you see bitcoin as a currency or a store of value or both you know, uh, I I think I think in order for it to really be like a great currency, it needs to be rather stable and just not there yet. And you know, unfortunately, you know, for Open Bazaar, it makes us come off very early. And um, but the thing is, is like the technology we're building is so complex that like we're kind of doing this thing where like we're dealing with volatility, we're dealing with this like weird conundrum where people say it shouldn't be spent or whatever mm-hmm. um and we're kind of just quietly building the technology that's going to be ready for when it's more stable um like the I, like, I don't, about like lightning network and stuff like that or i mean lightning is really frustrating for us because we want it to work i mean it would be great right like i would much rather have just like only had to deal with bitcoin and maybe like a lightning component of our wallet mm-hmm. and not have to worry about supporting other currencies but you know we've been trying to use it i mean i know elizabeth stark pretty well I, we know joseph poon like we've been talking with them forever like we're not like you know like we, we we're up on all that stuff we've, we've used it we've tried it out we've had so many conversations it's just we can't figure out how to use it well enough and you know the the worst part is like we're not going to put software that's like less ready than our own software which is already having our own issues into ours you know like mm-hmm. i think what we'll probably do is continue to kind of watch it and when it gets you know more usable then we'll con- we'll start considering it because it doesn't it's not it's not real hard to roll out other coins that maybe are cheaper to transact in and, and support you know that that's like more straightforward and easy for the, for the short term. For the longer term, we'd love for something like Lightning to work out and and be more realistic. But right now, it's just I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you guys have tried it, but like I haven't gotten haven't it to work it. myself, mm-hmm. and I haven't seen too many other people say like it's dead simple. It's like it's pretty complicated. So, right? Yeah. Um, it just seems like when I think of Lightning or watch some of these talks, and you know, I have a very low IQ level on Lightning, but like if I watch like AA talk about it or something, like I feel like Lightning's about to be the next shit, like anything he talks about. But uh, <laughs> um, you know, I guess you guys are uh, open bazaars, like uh, I f- 
uh, I guess it's not a, the thing is it's not a centralized place like you couldn't open like an open bazaar payment channel really uh, I don't know I don't know how it works here yeah I mean I think like um, you know one of the biggest hangups is like lightning is kind of this like online thing like you have to always be kind of online or mm-hmm. there's components that have to always be online and we worked really hard to make open bazaar so that it very minimally requires you to be online like we don't require merchants to be online except for once every seven days like buyers don't really have to be online much at all mm-hmm. and you know and now you know we have to require them to open channels and do these different things like it's it's already like a pretty convoluted process to go through all these things and now we have to like figure out a way to hide all that complexity from the average user it just it's a very daunting test not simple and i think lightning you know has their work cut out for them as well like they have to figure out how to make this thing like really really usable there's a lot of pressure on them and a lot of expectations so yeah um but you know i i I really do respect a lot of these core devs and like the people that are are pushing this and like really excited about it um i think it has has promise Uh, i'm just kind of (laughs) waiting yeah do do you think that like you know, for I guess what I'm trying to say is Open Bazaar, for Open Bazaar to have a million users and be the success that, you know, it could be, um, there needs to be a cryptocurrency that's spent as cash. Like, what is that going to be, do you think? Um, I mean, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know if anything we have right now in its current state could, could support that. I mean, I, I know that. You know, I talk to a lot of people like within like the Ethereum community, for instance, and like their biggest concern is like, oh, if we have something with a million users, like it's gonna it's gonna screw up the blockchain like completely, like it's just gonna break everything. And yeah. that's crazy, like to think like that because a million users is nothing in the grand scheme of things. I mean, what Facebook has like what almost three billion or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and these technologies can't even scale to like a million. That's that's incredible. So, mm. um, I don't know what it is. I really don't. I'm hoping that people smarter than me are going to help figure that out by the time we're ready for that. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. No, I, it seems like that's the big issue. It's like any chain that gets popular. Now, everybody was like before, like Ethereum, oh, it's so cheap to transact on Ethereum. When nobody was using it, then people started using it. And then it was like, oh, shit, it costs $1,000 to transact on this. Or my shit gets knocked off. And just like the same thing people were saying about Bitcoin for a while. You know, and then they, you know, people are trying Bcash and, and Litecoin and all this stuff. But yeah, that's the that's the issue I think is that there has to be some kind of off-chain scalability for like a cash equivalent. Equivalent. Otherwise, somebody like you said, somebody smart, smarter than everybody, has to come in and uh, really nip this in the bud. Yeah, and you know, I mean, we got we took a lot of heat when we were like complaining about fees and stuff. But like, I, I mean, I can show people the e- support emails we get. Like every time the fee would change a little bit or go up or go down or whatever, you know, like we the fees would go up. We get tons of emails. People pissed off that the fees are too high, that open charging too much, and we're like, we don't even charge. It's not us. It's like yeah. the network. And then it goes down, and people are like writing like, you you're doing too much. You're telling us to pay too much in fees. It's down, and it's like. You can't win because yeah. no matter where it goes, you're just getting yelled at from both sides. So it's it's a tough it's a tough business, um, you know. That and also people can still like newcomers that don't understand the technology still think like Open Bazaar is like this company. 
Yeah. Like it's like this group of people that are sitting in an office, like making a ton of money off of it. You know, like they're <laughs> like, oh, my Bitcoin's stuck, man. I want you to refund me. Give me my money now. And you're <laughs> like, we don't. I mean, like, I don't control your wallet, you know? Like, <laughs> what do we want us to do? I've seen a lot of that in like the rare Pepe trading chat. Like, I've been around since pretty much the beginning of that, and uh, the people that come in and the waves of people that come in, the same thing. It's like, especially when last summer when uh, Bitcoin was skyrocketing, the, the fees went up a ton. Like, and it would take like a week to get a transaction through. Oh, it was hell! And like the guys that ran Rare Pepe Wallet and stuff, they were just getting same type of questions. Like, I, I, I don't, I would not want to be in y'all's shoes. That. Yeah, I'm like when the price shot up, people would come on. back and it'd be like, "Oh, I deleted my Open Bazaar store, but I had like half a Bitcoin in there, and I need it back. Like, how do I get it?" And I'm like, "I'm sorry, it's worth a lot now, but <laughs> can't help you." Well, that's the thing. Maybe, maybe all of you know the lull, if you can call it, that is a good thing because now everybody can take a deep breath and really concentrate on functionality instead of gains you know this might be a, might be a good thing yeah whatever yeah, it could get real interesting if like the next year or two is like this like really down Bear market you know not real hyped up price wise period because you know then it's going to start to shake out a lot of these people that, that they're not seeing these mad profits you know like are they going to still work on software are they going to still like mm-hmm. have meetups because you know, I mean, I remember I ran the Nova meetup for like maybe six or seven months back in like 2013, I think. Mm-hmm. And like those meetings were crazy. They were getting so big. Like we had overflows in the rooms. We we're talking about counterparty and doing all these things. And then it was like nothing when the price went down. It was just like so dry. Like conferences were looking kind of weak. Yeah. So, the you know, bro, it, the we bro could be due for get, that again. The Brovesters are going to get chased away. Yeah, adios, yeah, I mean, bro-vesters. Could be another, could be another round of that. You know, they yeah. get, they get, they're fickle. They move on to the next thing for a little while. So, yeah, but then the hype will come back on when something big happens in Bitcoin or another cryptocurrency or even the halvening that'll happen in the run up from 2019 to 20. So there's always yeah some interesting. Yeah, it stuff. all comes in waves and stuff. But yeah. I mean, if you believe in the technology, the reason why we have it, things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, all these, all these projects are like super well capitalized i mean there's going to be at least a few that aren't stupid with their money and and produce something useful i think um so i think you know the next year might be kind of quiet really i mean like if the price stays down then maybe we'll just see some crazy stuff in 2019 yeah i think it helps the innovation like like i I think a lot of people are starting to think that well especially the people that are working on blockchain like that's a it's a good time period you don't have to worry about all the price stuff yeah, um, and there's a whole philosophy behind all of this in the first place. So it's, uh, I think it's this is good. Personally, I think it's a good, good yeah. thing going on. I haven't looked at the price. Like I used to check the Bitcoin price, you know, every few hours during like the runs and stuff. But I, I, I couldn't tell you what the Bitcoin price is today. Like I've been checking it maybe once every few days. I think. Well, I'll tell you, man. Every I, I go to the consensus every year in, in New York in May and. Something always happens around that time. I swear. Mm. Like uh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll get something in May. I don't know. Yeah. Well, after a lot of people are speculating that this tax stuff and people are selling off for that, but I would have thought they would have done that in December if you're, they were really worried about that. But maybe some people weren't. 
Anyway, that's all speculation. But um, right, when is consensus? What what days in May? I think it's like the second or third week in May. Yeah, just right after. Yeah, week. we have we have Creative Tech Week. We're gonna be up there May tenth doing uh art and blockchain. Nice. There's a lot of stuff up there. Ether real oh or something. Goodness. There's a whole crap load of stuff in New York and going on. But, um, yeah, I um, I was in Cancun for the Satoshi Roundtable, and I think his I think his tag is he's crypto art. I think he's crypto art. Oh, uh, he does like uh, cryptography. Cryptography. No, crypto- oh, crypto graffiti was there as well. But um, um, there was another guy, crypto art. I think. Oh uh, yeah, that's. I think that's the one. Summer sells his art. And uh, he, he gave me one of these the po- one of the posters with like a wallet embedded in the posters and it's like mm-hmm. a Satoshi round table one it's like pretty it's pretty awesome I'm really excited I gotta get that thing framed <laughs> nice oh I'm a, is that what I have it's is it the company name Crypto Art or yeah. is it yeah I have one of those I've been seeing them and it has a little bit of the embedded uh, Bitcoin and then you can have embedded in it whatever currency you know, they, they had like three different currencies you could have embedded in it and it's kind of cool I like and I like the physical that's, stuff that's good for the buyer because if they're or it could be bad if it goes down, but you know if you're buying a piece of art and you have like ten dollars embedded of Bitcoin embedded in that, you know you paid a hundred dollars for the piece. If Bitcoin ten times from now, you basically got the piece for free if you wanted to cash that Bitcoin out. So it's yeah, an interesting he, he dynamic. Puts like um, I think each one has like an amount, like a recommended amount you, sh- you should put in it, mm-hmm. and then like art is supposed to be like worth that, and then it accumulates in value, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not bad art either. Yeah, so can't, yeah, it, can't it's even be mad about cool that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, well, um, Brian, we got to wrap up. Yeah, we, uh, we got we got one more person coming in here to talk down some knowledge art stuff. But uh, we appreciate it. Appreciate the call in. Um, hopefully, we run into you here soon. Openbazaar.com or openbazaar.org. Anything else you want to plug uh, before we get out? That's it, man. Just go to the website, download software if you haven't got it. And uh, we, we have a Slack channel as well that is pretty active if you want to know more. And uh, that's it. Awesome. Thanks a lot for call, 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 calling in, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me. So, Drop Lister is on the phone now. Just got off the phone with um, Brian Hoffman of Open Bazaar. Now we have... The infamous drop lister, aka Dan Anderson of Bitcoins and many other things, xcpdex.com. Um, you're with me and uh, Cynthia, by the way. Hi, Cynthia. Hi. What uh, what else are you working on, Dan? Before we get into uh, some of the new stuff. Uh, well, before I start, <laughs> it's funny that Brian's on the show today because uh, in the past I think I would. Have harassed him for his <laughs> bizarre project, uh, <laughs> pun intended. But now I've recursed to a level of strange and even more bizarre that I. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so big ups to Brian for, I mean, essentially raising four million dollars on a dark debt market from VCs. So it's an, an incredible feat. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about he's got some big VCs that uh, threw in on that. You know? Big big names. So, uh, but in other things that I do. Um, I think you covered it. Um, I'm sort of like an ex- aspiring to get some code into the counterparty code base right now, but you know, um, 
I have a day job where I work in e-commerce, and I have a lot of side projects, and Counter Party is just sort of this outlet for me where I get to do a little bit more um, growth in terms of my development skills. Where are you calling from? I'm located in uh, Brooklyn. Okay. Yeah, son. <laughs> so, um, for our listeners out there, uh, Mr. Droplister has started something called Bitcoins. And Bitcoins is basically... I'll let him explain it. What is Bitcoins? Sure. Um, well, Bitcoins is a game. And I consider it sort of like a mix between incremental games like Adventure Capitalist, uh, where the point is just to get more points. Uh, I consider it a little bit like games like Risk, where like you're, you're kind of taking parts of the map. Uh, it's got elements of things like uh, Spells of Genesis and Rare Pepe, where you're collecting cards and people can submit cards. Um, it's just sort of my, uh, my take on a interesting blockchain game. Is this something you've been uh, working on for a while or just kind of come to you this year or what? No, this came together super in a, in a very weird way. But, uh, I mean, I've had some of the assets for like two years. And um, I own a number of counterparty assets. So, like, crops is something that I've had for two years and just kind of never had anything to do with it. Mm. Um, Bitcoins.com, I had that for maybe like a year just because I'm a domainer and mm-hmm. it's sort of like a, a meme in the Bitcoin world where everyone kind of makes jokes about Bitcoin and it's funny. Right. And then the the impetus was I went to the Rare as Fuck Art Festival and right. I believe it was January. Are you guys familiar with that event? January 13th. We yeah, were we, were, we were both uh, speakers. Hey. Well, I wasn't. Uh, DJ Pepe was. <laughs> Cynthia was. Yeah, I was on the panel. Okay, so I, I was just in the audience and um, I went there and it was a nice refresher from to go from like crypto Twitter to sort of like an event where everyone was more or less like very open-minded and curious and you know it wasn't a lot of fighting it was just like a lot of like people looking to do something uh, like very passionately and that, mm-hmm. that was very exciting I don't know maybe you guys got that vibe too there but it was yeah for sure it was like a really great room yeah, that's everybody. gonna be a, that's gonna be a historic event in blockchain crypto art. I think so because it was like you said it was a great energy. Shout out to Rare Art Labs for that yeah. and Joe Looney for putting the suggestion on Twitter and then Rare Art Labs just made it happen. I believe. Yeah. And so I was at that event and I was familiar with some of the things like Rare Pepe and um, I think I had seen Dada, but I think the auction really like blew my mind I walked away from that and I, I guess I was just you know doing on it and I was thinking like you know that the way I kind of summed it up in my head is it looks like there's like a you know there's a demand for people who they want to they want collectibles they like collectibles they like blockchain tech they like the idea that there's things that are digitally rare mm-hmm. and then I also see it all as like a game where like people are or game slash gambling so I'm sitting there thinking about it and I had the domain and 
it just started coming together from there. So, I mean, I started talking about it right after, like maybe January 15th, January 16th, and then I did a token sale February 1st, and, you know, we did the first harvest April 1st, so everything happened very quickly. Yeah. And, um, and it's always, it's kind of been like in response to like, I, I, you know, I took away from that event sort of some energy and, uh, to, that got me going. And, you know, as I, more people heard about it, they would be like, well, I want to do this in the game. And if I could like feasibly code it, like it became part of the game. And that's sort of been how it's been proceeding. So you're freewheeling it kind of like just how you, how the, how the mark, how the people involved are just talking and you kind of feeling that all out and getting suggestions and stuff well that's how it's been going so far and then beyond even that in i guess the prehistory before the rare event was that in december bitcoin fees were extraordinarily high um i don't know if you're doing transactions during december but they were getting Mm -hmm. serious yeah and um there's a lot of people in the counterparty because counterparty is um, embedded into Bitcoin transactions. So necessarily, like those Bitcoin fees affect counterparty. Sure. And there was a lot of projects and also developers nervous about these fees. Yep. And my feeling was sort of like, um, you know, these fees could be temporary, and if they're not, maybe we can you know work within those constraints. And so I started thinking about different designs for games where the fees weren't weren't a stopping factor mm-hmm. so for example <laughs> I guess people who haven't heard about the game wouldn't know too much about it but basically there's two tokens in the game two main tokens and if you hold crops your crops address is one, becomes crops is one token that's one token if you own the crops it makes your bitcoin address into like a farm it gets a page on my website and you can Put up some art. So it's like uh, an access token, right? location. Yes, sir. I'm considering an access token. So you need crops to join the game, mm-hmm. and then the crops decides like how big or small your farm is. And then every few months, Bitcoin is like harvested by your farm. Mm-hmm. And so that design is on purpose to mitigate against bitcoin fees so um and also the game is over four years so to do the whole game just my company Mm. the token sale i did on the decks and the the harvest it's a total of 17 bitcoin transactions okay so i don't have to worry so much about future fees because i'm i've optimized it for minimal um, right. Use of the blockchain. And to our to our people listening, I don't know the Dex is a decentralized exchange on Counterparty. Yeah, boy. Yeah, I apologize. I'm not. I'm not like media trained. No, it's all good. I'm just... <laughs> that's that's <a> media trained. <laughs> I'm definitely not media trained. So how how did you find out about the digital rare art festival or rare digital art festival? I gotta say that was probably came up in. The archetype chat room on Telegram. Oh, okay. I think that's probably where I saw it. Like it was shared, and I uh, I saw that Joe Looney was going to be there, and that's someone that I've talked to online for a long time, but I've never met. So mm-hmm. 
know, for a lot of times for me, the, the conferences, uh, I like I like that they talk, but most of the time I go to see people I, I don't have a chance to see otherwise. Yeah. It was interesting to meet all the rare Pepe people there. In one spot. Yeah. It's like, oh, this explains it. We've been talking for like it. a year and a half, and then... <laughs> oh, shit. Everybody that looked exactly like you thought they'd look, except for one person. Who's that? <clears throat> I'll, not, I'll not name names. <laughs> <laughs> well, DJ Pepe looks like DJ Pepe for sure. Yeah. <laughs> DJ Pepe's crazy. Though. He'll be back in New York on May 10th. <laughs> He'll come out oh, of the, his box. With the Crypto Creative event, right? Uh, yeah, the Creative Tech Week thing. He's. Uh, I just grabbed a ticket for that. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. We got a, I, we got a little collaboration going on, and he's. I think he's performing there. So. Yo, one time for my crypto bags. It's two time for my crypto swags. My name DJ Pepe. You know I get loose. With these coins, I play duck, duck, goose. I play no games, though. You know I never cry. When I watch my coins, they only multiply. When you watch your coins, they only divide. Damn. I would want to die if I was you in the shoes without some Bitcoin. You probably got that shit called Bcash, the trash, the Bitcoin, the shit. Oh, goddamn pass. DJ Pepe, don't pass that gas. Oh, he got his whole manager. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. He's, I'm trying to manage him, but he's out there for us. He's on the cups all over the world. It's really hard. To, he's, he's the only... Keep him clean. He's the only Bitcoiner getting, getting it, dude. He's like the... Uh, no, I can't call him a pimp. He doesn't make any money off of it. <laughs> off of himself. <laughs> Just gotta catch him in the coffee shops. Yeah, he's always in the coffee shops. Well, when I met him, he's more—he was more of a cutout. Oh, uh, he's—he's a cut up for sure. <laughs> um. So with all right, so bitcoins. Um. Now for artists. Alright, so the Rare Pepe trading, the artists, artists the user submitted art has been cut off. No more Rare Pepes are being made. Um, can give an air horn sound effect for that. R.I.P. Um, one guy that we talked to yesterday um, is doing Pepe Vote, where it's um, more of a decentralized uh, type of thing he's trying to run. But then... Your Bitcoins has generated some energy from a lot of the Rare Pepe community because now you can create art, art cards and put it into the game and kind of, you know, gamify it somehow, which uh, is good. I mean, this, you know, for our, anybody listening out there, uh, you know, if you want to make some art and put it on the blockchain, uh, you know, there's a, you got to kind of be in constraints a little bit because this is a centralized platform. I believe Dan is the uh, scientist, the main scientist, the only scientist right now who approves it. But um, you know, you're welcoming artists to come on and and make make cards, right, Dan? Yeah, I mean, so there's there's two user there's two ways that users contribute content to the game. Mm-hmm. Um, the first way. And this was extremely surprising to me. It was not something that I was like, you know, oh, if I just rub my hair and hands together and scheme about this, like, this will happen. Like, it's very much like the people had an interest in it. So when you create a, a farm, it's basically like a profile. And you get, like, um, I have 
10 default farm images. You can think of just sort of like a, you know, a cartoon farm. And you get a default name, you get a um, default description, and that's like your generic farm. Um, and right away, people were like, well, we want to upload our own farm art. And so I made that a feature. Um, and I made let people like pick their names. And then people wanted to put their farms somewhere on a map. So I actually had to code that up and create like a world map. And that's become actually a really interesting part of the game because people can kind of claim locations and no one else can be in that radius. Mm -hmm. um, and so people have been doing these interesting things with their profiles where, for example, there's somebody who, I'm trying to think of a good example, but basically somebody will, maybe they'll name their, like <laughs> somebody has North Korea farm, for example. Yeah. And they're located in Pyongyang and they've updated their farm art to feature like this North Korean like propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> and so they've like have this like cohesive like narrative about what their farm is. Um, and that's not even related to like the blockchain. That's just people using their profiles. And so that's been great. And then um, the idea is to move to where people can also um, submit these in-game assets for example people have submitted things like farm hands um because mm -hmm. people were saying like oh you know this game would be cool if it had this you know or that yeah and so i created this path path where they can create their own assets and it's a lot like rare pepe like on purpose mm -hmm. you know there's no reason to recreate the wheel too much sure um but the thing that i'm hoping to do in the future if if the interest is there and um you know, like I, I can right now. I'm very focused on the launch, but uh, maybe in the next harvest or two, I want to move to like c cards that give you like functions. Where you know, if you have this card, maybe your farm has an ability. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I was really trying to make the game before the cards, because um, I know with Rare Pepe, my my understanding with that is there's been sort of uh, hope of a game in the future and it has been integrated into Saratobi Island I think it's called yeah um, well not that, not not, like. not that one game but there yeah Saratobi you can use uh, your cards to create unique monsters yeah I mean it, it, it I, I consider it right now as like a side project that I hope to make a main project if that makes sense um, and I, it's really uh, its own monster. Like the people in the chat room, kind of give me some energy, and I give them like a feature, and they take it and they do ridiculous things with it. Um, like we, we created cooperatives. We created the ability for farms to team up because people were worried that one player had too much power. Right. <laughs> so I gave the ability to create co-ops. That's been that's been an interesting dynamic. Yeah, I've been watching watching what's going on with the game, and I, the co-op was definitely an, an interesting. Um, Quarantine clan, clan, Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it, it certainly makes and it makes people play differently. You know, when you have cooperative elements, it makes the the, the play is different. Rumor has it there's a Quarantine Clan hate card coming out soon. Uh oh. Motherfucker, say what? It makes it. It makes it. Uh, it gets heated. It's, it, I mean, it's fun. I think that's what people like about it is that 
because it, it keeps developing, it, it, that's what I'm just trying to do. I, I kind of feel like a, like a game master for some, like, you know, for, for crypto people. I don't, I don't know how else to describe it. <laughs> the telegram room is the, uh, the event, spectate, the place to spectate it. Yeah, basically, because I mean, people will be like, people, new people will be like, which, which group should I join? Yeah. And then <laughs> the like, that's or when the bribes come out, that's when the threats come out. The memes. So yeah. how, how do the cards work? Like, I've seen Joe's corn mash card. Yeah. and uh, He's developing off of this game with mixing it up with Rare Pepe, right? So the way that the cards work is um, you design the card, you submit it, and there's... Um, you have to burn some Bitcoin, similar to Pepe Cash, and that's just to try and limit the number of overall cards, um, and also create a barrier to entry, so where you're not just submitting what you think is just like, you know, like a copy paste kind of thing. Um, but that's pretty much all how it works right now. Is you get a card, and they show up on your farm, and it's sort of like um, your collection of cards. But then we have Joe Joe Looney just. Um, of Rare Pepe Wallet, um, he just submitted a card called Bitcoin Mash, and he's he's also in a very similar way. I mean, we're all like kind of playing off each other's like it's like there's momentum here, like let's you know push it this way, and and that's what I that's what's really exciting about it too. It's um, because a lot of things are still up in the air, and I think that could be annoying for some people, but for uh, for me and I guess other developers, it's, it's exciting. What he's proposing and still figuring out is he's going to create an application where you can take the Bitcoin Mash and any rare Pepe and burn them into his still, and you would get out of it like a unique moonshine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there is a the other distillery. thing I was thinking about, guys, the, about the impetus or like the reasoning is. I see Ethereum getting all this shine for like CryptoKitties and and all these other things, and ERC twenty and ERC seven twenty one or something like that. Um, and I think there might be a perception that like these things aren't possible on Bitcoin. Um, but Counterparty is this platform where um, it's very simple to create these tokens and to use the technology. Yep. I've been showing people how to use Counterparty since about t- t- 2016, and it's definitely the easiest to use. The only uh, problem that I, I think you know, I addressed it with a few people yesterday is that there's just no support, like in Ethereum or even like Waves or some of these other ones. Like, they, there's no community support in Counterparty. It's kind of like go and do it and you know maybe people find out maybe I don't know it's like there's no community involvement like there's small communities like Red Pepe has a community Bitcoins is having a community now um, Spells of Genesis Folding Coin they all have their communities but they don't really interact with uh, you know it's not a lot of support in the uh well it doesn't have its there's own not, conference because you know Ethereum has yeah, their consensus that too um there should be the equivalent on the counterparty side where there is... I mean, because there's a lot of creativity and a lot of really 
a lot of thought goes into these products that perhaps there should be something like the equivalent of a consensus for a counterparty. A few of us were on a phone call yesterday, and I think Dan mentioned that he was going to try to have a phone call once a month or something, right? Well, there's, there's a Discord for the counterparty, um, and those are nice because you know you can have a bunch of people chit-chatting uh, on voice, and you can cover a little bit more ground than text. Like, a Telegram's great, but it's sort of like three messages at a time. Right. Now, I like the newsletter because I've been getting the counterparty's newsletter... Counterparty needs a f- shot of fresh blood in there. That's all I need. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, I mean, so Counterparty's been around for, I mean, this is worth talking about. Um, yeah. Counterparty's been around for four years, uh, maybe four and a half years. Um, and sometimes people feel, because there's a lot of new projects, and so some people don't know how old Counterparty is. Um, but. The way I see it sometimes, te- technologically, Counterparty is a stable platform. You're a smart fellow. Yeah, and this is what it looks like when like the tech works. Like, It's not exciting every day. Um, but So that has some negative effects on the community because, you know, it's like there's not always news in the tech. So that's why you see people siloing themselves into their different projects. I think that's one of the reasons. I think it's a really good idea to have an event specific to Counterparty. I think it'll be great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what Counterparty products do generally is they kind of piggyback on other blockchain events. Like, you know, at the Rare event, I think Age of Change was there. Supposed Genesis was there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, where Pepe was represented to the auction. So, I agree. Um, but I, I think every contribution is, is awesome. And... It's, it's because it's a smaller community, it's really easy to make an impact. And like, you know, this phone call right now, or yesterday we had a me, Skrilla, and uh, Dante, and Need Money talk to a Pepe vote. So, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm just saying keep up is all. <laughs> yeah. There, 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 I, I agree with Cynthia, though. There needs to be some kind of like, more like a, a get-together conference. Like, and even so, like like Ethereum, like ERC twenty, Ethereum core devs support ERC twenty, but Bitcoin core devs, for the most part, for well, at least a few of them, are very vocal that they want to kill everybody in XCP. They, they wish the XCP devs would go away, and that's that's detrimental. That's because because I'm a big XCP fan, and I'm I'm an even bigger Bitcoin fan. And motherfucker, say what they want. Um. That just sucks because, like, XCP works good on Bitcoin until the transactions get out of control. But well, then that's the then that's an interesting thing because if it is the drama, if the reason why people are paying attention to what's going on in consensus and Ethereum is the weird DAO event and all the all the all the drama, that's shouldn't be how it works. It should be, you pay attention to the stability yeah. and not, because people complain all the time about the volatility of the coins, but then when something goes, is going well, that should also be, get some acclaim and not just the, all the negative because the negative is what's, it's, it's what's messing with the prices right now. Yeah. XCP is the easiest to create token in all of cryptocurrency. You can make a token taking a crap in five minutes, under five. I mean, in seconds, literally. So, yeah. with ERC twenty, no, not anybody fun. could just create an ERC twenty token. 
it, it, it's a, it's like a confluence of, of issues that has resulted in you know the current state of things um there was a lot of drama in 2014 about counterparty uh, at the time because bitcoin developers don't necessarily consider basically anything that's not of bitcoin um specifically um to be spam so like the way that counterparty works is we kind of like graffiti bitcoin transactions <laughs> with extra data um and so to them, it's like extra weight that they don't necessarily want. Um, there's also some Bitcoin developers and technical people that have real issues with the way that counterparty works. It works, you know, I'm, I don't mean to get too technical, but it work, the way it works, there's, um, it's under, basically, uh, it, counterparty probably couldn't support like a trillion dollars of value. Um, there's some level or threshold by which um, the security is probably not enough for super, super high-level value things. Um, so that's one criticism. Mm -hmm. um, they prefer things be side chains. Um, that's one criticism. But what it has going for it, though, is that it works, and that while side chains are like a great theoretical thing, like they just they don't exist. So mm. <laughs> um, not in production, at least. So. As long as counterparty is like working, I think that's great. Um, and it also comes down to like liquidity. So Ethereum has a lot of liquidity there. There's a lot of interest in buying tokens with Ethereum. There's a lot of people with, you know, ICO Ethereum that went from one Bitcoin to like a million dollars. Sure. Who can um, pump the liquidity there? Um, you know, but there's there's something you can't do about the past and counterparty for. Yeah, like two, three, four years ago, tried to get into like a, a race with Ethereum, and the develop the founders were like, "We're gonna implement Ethereum on Counterparty." Yeah, and that became this huge distraction. Um, when it turns out everyone just wants tokens, anyways. Right. <laughs> so Counterparty <laughs> took its eye off the ball from its like token creation to focus on smart contracts. Yeah, when and then Ethereum went from smart contracts to tokens <laughs> <laughs> yeah because that was what was interesting to me all the all the things yeah, definitely not as interested in tokens as it was in smart contracts still but I think to, I think tokens are cool smart contracts could be theoretically cool you just got somebody's <laughs> got to make them work right exactly well I consider counterparty as having smart contracts they're just not coded by the mm. by the code so the way that uh, Vitalik explains Ethereum is that it's a featureless platform and you have to code up your own features um, Counterparty is a is a platform with features has a set of features mm -hmm. and yes that's a limitation but it, it means that you don't have to code like how your token is issued like that's standardized yeah but it, it reduces the, the difficulty and it reduces the attack surface and vulnerabilities it has a lot of nice things for it too mm -hmm. but this we <laughs> this is like a whole nother show this is like the counterparty show now yeah 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 <laughs> well it is a crypto art show and I mean XCP is definitely heavy in crypto art so yeah um I guess uh I got a final question before we get out of here um I don't know if Cynthia has any more but what, where do you see Bitcoined your game in 2021 what happens yeah I mean a big part of 
the schedule being like a four-year event um, with like recurring events to there was sort of as a statement um, that like it's like a commitment to Counterparty essentially. Like I'm kind of trying to help Counterparty along through this game <laughs> if that's possible. And this is sort of picking that time frame which is like twice as long as it's existed so far. You know, it's existed for four years. I have sort of committed to another four years. Um, that's part of it. Where do I see it in four years? Well, I hope it still exists um, in terms of like interest. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm definitely going to, the website will still exist, even if people, you know, falls out of favor or anything. Um, but I'm hoping that it has like an, an app would be good. A phone app would be great. Um, hopefully more people like Joe Looney has kind of plugged in his idea maybe more of that um, I'd like to see some features um, like for example right now I have to go into the counter wallet and do the distributions myself yeah um, I've proposed automating that so it's like I propose like a new standard smart contract to counterparty I'd love to see that happen mm-hmm. um I don't know, four years out's a long way, it's just, <laughs> I sort of just picked it and was like, yeah, I can uh, I can, I can, make these transactions happen at the very bare minimum. Right. <laughs> well, it looks like it's a pretty, for somebody who doesn't really do the, the games, it seems very straightforward and the rules are, are clear and participation, you know, elements are readily available, so I'd... I think it's probably one of the more uh, straightforward games that I've that I've seen. That it seems anyone can can get involved if they just put a little bit of time. I think the one thing that could help onboard. Well, one thing we didn't talk about is you you can buy crops with USD, right? With cash. Yeah. Yep. And that's that's uh, that's something new in terms of. Uh, you think? I mean, it's, well, for. It's- it's not unusual for a game to sell access. No, no, not for a game, but for a crypto game. None, none of the... None of the other counterparty the other, games? None of the other counterparty games use uh, mm-hmm. cash. Yeah, well, I found it would it made sense to sell, like, small... You know, it's like $7 to get, like, a small amount just to get a farm and mm-hmm. be a part of the community and stuff. Um, no, but that's good. Yeah, no, that's I'm a, trying that's to see different things that I, I think I haven't seen before. That and um, if I think if you guys if if Bitcoin's got a nice wallet where you didn't have to get on the decks, if you had like a, U, a user interface for Bitcoin's wallet, it might might help out a little bit too. Yep, yep, I agree. Um, basically, uh, to get back to the four years and maybe to round out the counterparty discussion, like I'm I'm trying to be the counterparty developer that like I want to see, where like I like counterparty. I am building a project on Counterparty, which gives me insights into sort of like what the users want. It gives me ideas for new features, which I'm pushing now. Um, it gives me, it aligns my incentives with the long-term view of like the protocol. Um, I did my token sale for XEP and I'm holding most of that. And that also you know, aligns my interests. So I'm trying to be sort of the developer that I, I think you know, makes sense for Counterparty. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. That's a that's a good approach. Are you a developer for Counterparty? Well, there's no 
centered a counterparty, um, but like the last release is like a, a bug fix that I found. Like I was knocking around on the code and found an issue and I fixed it. Um, I have two SIP proposals I'm working on and I have more, but it, it's, it's just like a long process to get people to um, agree and to move things and, you know, it's just, it, they just take time. But would I consider myself a counterparty developer? Uh, I, I would like to. I'd like to be. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you can just declare that, though. <laughs> you just announce it. <laughs> you gotta tokenize it, man. It's not the way to do it. <laughs> Who's gonna argue? <laughs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or not. All right, um, well, we got to wrap up here. Uh, good interview, Dan. Is there anything else you want to uh, add before we get out of here? Oh, when's the well, next? I, I think I've said plenty. When's the next harvest? The next harvest would be in three months. So April first was the first one, and then the next one will be April, May, June, uh, July first. <laughs> uh, there's an almanac on the website that actually charts out. Uh, the future in terms of the harvest. Oh, 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 oh my um, god! And what else? I uh, I just encourage people if they're interested to go to bitcorns.com. If you want to check out the community, it's on Telegram. It's at bitcorns plural. Um, and we're just we're just having fun goofing around. And a, a lot of people have said to me that you know through this game they've learned a lot about how counterparty works and. The different apps about it anyway so um yeah the signing message features it makes is it's a very useful thing like you made it something that people have to learn and it, you know i think that's cool it's a way to learn bitcoin and xcp because you have to sign a message in your bitcoin wallet and your xcp wallet to uh change features on your farm and your latitude longitude etc so that's pretty cool and if you're listening to this and, you know, you've never heard of Counterparty or if you're big into Ethereum, like, give it a look. Um, a lot of people would say, like, why not just do this on Ethereum? And I guess I would just reply, like, why not just do it on Bitcoin? Uh, and so take a look and see what you think about the different things that are possible with Bitcoin and Counterparty and the other protocols built on top of Awesome. Thanks, Dan. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All, All right. right. Nice, to, nice to meet you, Cynthia. Nice talking to you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.